Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody. It's another edition of Then and Now. I'm Brad Sham. The Cowboys Training Camp 2022 is uh, getting underway, and uh, we are sitting down at the very beginning of it with the, um, it says here in my script that I wrote for me, the uh, best football player on the team, future Hall of Famer, Zach Martin. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. How do you feel when people like me say that stuff? Because uh, I say it almost every time I see it. I don't know. I get a little weirded out. I'm just, you know, it's a good honor. It's a great honor for you to say that. I mean, obviously, we've got a ton of studs on this team and, you know, some guys I would argue that point too. But you know what? Um, I've had a good little start to my career and and keep it going. This is year nine. This is year nine. So uh, for some people, that's, I'm personally maybe maybe I'm I'm on the I'm no no on the no, back. no 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 I like where you were going. Stay follow your instincts because I I like the notion that you are uh, you've had a nice little start, which would indicate <laughs> that there's there's quite a bit more yet ahead. What's your what does the calendar say your age is? I'm 31 years. I'll be 32 in November. You're just a child, and uh, and and you really offensive lineman. You are at the age that you could theoretically play almost as long as you have already played if you wanted to. Theoretically, you could play. You don't think you play another eight years, eight nine years? Um, I don't know. I'm just going to take it one year at a time and. Um, it's funny when I came into the NFL, I always had this goal. I want to play 10 years. I want to play 10 years. I want to play 10 years. And now kind of when I, I'm approaching, um, that number and I've just kind of always told myself, once I get to that 10th year, I'm just going to go in until I feel like I can't go anymore. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to ever keep playing when I see my, when I see my play start to go down, I think that's, um, I'll know it'll be time. I, I don't want to hang around and, um, just collect a paycheck. So whenever that time comes, then. Um, it'll be time. That has a lot more to do with how you feel about it than any number of years or eight, does it not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I really am feeling great. I mean, um, I feel as good this year coming into camp as I have the last probably three years. So um, I'm feeling good. I'm healthy right now, knock on wood. So um, I'm just going to keep going until – until my body tells me no. The last couple of years obviously have been very strange, COVID. And yep. Even last year's uh, off season wasn't quite normal. Right. Um, have you, through all that and now back to what we hope is normal, made any 
changes or concessions to age and experience about the way you prepare in the off season? Yeah, I think uh, 2020 was a tough year for me. Um, you know, COVID year, first time I really missed extended extended time. Um, kind of felt my body a little bit going, and I, I kind of made some adjustments going into last season that I think really helped. And um, you know, I, I was pretty proud of. I'm my, sorry, what were those? Um, I think I was just smarter in how I, I trained in the off season. You know, obviously we've got a great strength program here, and it's a lot of um, we really push ourselves in the off season. And I think just kind of learning, like, hey, we're in March, season's in August. We or in July we start training camp. Just be smart throughout that time. Make sure you're feeling as good as possible going into the season. You don't have to beat every single number every day in the weight room and on the field. So some of that, and then I, you know, definitely started spending a lot more time on my body during the season. Started seeing some different PTs and um, just really put investing the time because you know when you come into the league, all the older guys are saying, you know, you got to take care of your body. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I feel good. And uh, 2020 was the first year where I kind of started feeling the, you know, the wear and tear a little bit. So I, I've started to take more time to take care of myself, and, and I think it's really made a, a, a big difference. Your, so your rookie year was 14? 14. And um, in 14 and 15 and even 16, yep. what day of the week did you start to in-season Sunday game? When did you start feeling good? Um, and when is it now? Now? I mean, I think also, to back to the point, the um, I think the staff has worked with me, too, over the last couple of years. Um, Training staff or coaching staff? Both. Um, you know, last year, a lot of the time on Wednesdays, I'd do more of like an individual type deal. A lot of the team stuff, um, I didn't, you know, wasn't out there every single rep. And I think that helped a lot um, to get my body back for – Feeling, starting feeling good on Thursday, um, but when I was younger, man, I felt good on after our off day on Tuesday. I was feeling good, ready to Let's roll. go play. Yeah, again. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, now it's about Thursday, Thursday afternoon, where I start to feel a little better, and then Friday, obviously, uh, we get a little time to ourselves on Friday to start doing those things we kind of talked about, and it's paid off. In the last three years, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Mike McCarthy brought something in uh, that was different than anybody had seen with the with the kind of lighter day rehab yeah. day on uh, Friday and the yeah. r- practice ramp up on Saturday. Very unconventional. Um, you, I think I've read quotes where you said you really like that. What what is it about that that you I, like? I do really like it. And um, you know, the first year it was a little different because I, you know, let's see, uh, six years of doing it the same way and. Um, it changes up a little bit, and you kind of got to buy back into how we're doing things. But I thought I think last year really made it different. It really allows you because if you think about it, you know we would practice pretty hard on Friday, and then Saturday be a walkthrough. We play a lot of prime time games, a lot of four thir- three thirty games. So you know we would have a big practice Friday, and the next time you'd really get a good sweat in was game day. So you're going almost forty eight hours without really starting that you know, work out, get, getting your body ready to go. So I think our new schedule allows us to not only, hey, get two good work days on Wednesday, Thursday, get a little recovery on Friday, and then Saturday, uh, it's not long, but it's it's get out there, get a really good sweat, a um, little bit of timing in, in some of our opening plays type deal. And uh, it just kind of starts that clock where you're, you're getting you're getting good work, you're getting a sweat in 24 hours before the game. And it, it really, I think it made a difference 
for me personally, I think a lot of guys on the team have really bought into it, uh, feeling better on Sunday. Um, I like the then part of then and now because it, it frequently doesn't have anything ostensibly to do with now except that's what fueled you and shaped you and made you. So um, what was a 10 and 12 and 15-year-old Zach Martin thinking about football? Uh, I started playing football uh, young, so I moved to Indianapolis. I was, I'm from, originally from Kansas City. Um, I moved to Indy when I was uh, eight years old. Chiefs fan before that, um, or did you care? I, I didn't really. My whole family's from Kentucky, so I didn't really like. My parents didn't really didn't have a team, I guess, growing up. So yeah, I rooted for the Chiefs a little bit, I guess, when I was young. Um, when I moved to Indy was the year they drafted Peyton. Oh, so, well. Done I, deal. I, I grew up. How many horseshoes, yeah. shirts, and things did you have? I grew up a big Colts fan and yep. big Peyton Manning fan. So um, I grew up in a good time to be an Indy for a football fan. Um, but I started playing football at eight, like tackle full padded football, third grade. So um, my dad was a college football player. Um, so he was my coach early on. And I was always um, on the bigger side, um, always an O line, D line. But. Um, Played football, played all kind of sports in grade school, and then I was really a basketball guy. Like I, I was obsessed with basketball all the way up till probably my sophomore year of high school. Playing it, playing it, AU the whole nine, and then. Were uh, you a four or a five? I was a five. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a six foot four five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, but you know, you ever seen Charles Barkley? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, no, after. Uh, my freshman year of football, I, I, I came in and I, I kind of hit a growth spurt. I've been about the same height since my freshman year of high school. I've been about 6'4". So um, it started to excel at football, and then basketball kind of started slowly to fade away a little bit. And then um, I would say after my sophomore season in football, started to get recruited a little bit, and uh, that's where I really kind of locked in on football and kind of hit the ground running. Did you, when that started to happen, were you always a Notre Dame guy? No, 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 no. Um, Never a Notre Dame guy, actually. So I, my parents both went to University of Kentucky. My dad played football there. Um, my mom swam there. So um, I bleed blue, man. I still do. I love Kentucky. Love Kentucky basketball, the whole nine. Um, How many games have you seen at Rupp Arena? Quite a few. We still have season tickets to the football. So, really? uh, yeah, okay. I go to a couple football games every year there. And um, wasn't a Notre Dame fan, really. A lot of my friends, because a lot of my friends growing up, I wasn't from Indiana, so a lot of my friends growing up were, like, huge Notre Dame fans, and I was just, like, usually I go on the other side. If everyone's one thing, I try to go opposite. So I wasn't this huge Notre Dame fan. Really didn't get recruited by Notre Dame very hard. Um, started getting some offers, a lot of Big Ten offers. Um, I was pretty locked into going to the University of Michigan. Um, I was pretty much set on going to Michigan and then I uh, my dad talked me into going to visit Notre Dame and visited up there and spent spent a weekend up there and then committed about three weeks later what changed your mind what swayed you I don't know the people up there like the guys um, guy named Braxton Cave another Indiana guy was our center in college he was he was my host every time I went up there and I just I just clicked right when I went up there and I just had a feeling that this is a spot for me. And I grew up um, Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Um, so there was a little bit of that. And then obviously the school itself. But um, once I got around the players and the coaches, and uh, I kind of fell in love with it. And I think they offered me in May, and I committed in July. Uh, did Kentucky ever know how much of a Kentucky fan you oh, were? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I visited Kentucky a bunch. My, my younger brother was actually committed to Kentucky for, Nick? Yeah, for about six months. Um, and then they Notre Dame offered him, and then he 
switched it up to come play with Big Bro, but uh, <laughs> no, I still. Uh, but yeah, I was I was Kentucky and then Michigan, and then Michigan. And Michigan hard, and then uh, all of a sudden switched switched to Notre Dame. Um, once you started, once you knew you were going to play college football. Yep. Did you also then know you were going to play pro football? I did not. No, it, it, and um, I would say it was always in the back of my mind, like in high school, like man, I'd love to play pro football, but. You know, I went to Notre Dame. I reported about 270, uh, redshirted. Um, kind of was – I mean, I was a good football player early on at Notre Dame, but I obviously I redshirted and I didn't really know. You know, you you show up and you see these guys are like 320, 325. It's like, holy moly, I don't know if I'll get – can I get up to that? And Is this I, Kelly? I played one year under Coach Weiss. Okay. So my redshirt year was under Weiss. Um, uh, so then after that year, Coach Weiss gets fired. Um, new staff, kind of new opportunities. So it's kind of a, a – it obviously was probably the best thing for my career personally because a new staff came in. We kind of ran a different offense. Being undersized at the time wasn't that big a deal um, because uh, we were going from like a true pro-style offense to kind of a spread, run-and-gun type deal. So um, had a good spring that first year and, and uh, started playing as a redshirt freshman at, at left tackle and um, – kind of rest is history um what so when did you start thinking about playing pro football um i'm holding off on the left tackle stuff you yeah yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. No, i know it's coming um <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see i mean i again i started to play okay i played my redshirt freshman year had, a, had an okay season um nothing special but you know i was let's see 19 playing college football big college football and i was Played all right. My retro sophomore year was okay, a little bit better, a little bit bigger. And then uh, my junior year, we got a guy, um, a new offensive line coach, guy, guy by the name of Harry Heastan, um, very well-known, high, high-regarded offensive line coach. And that's when it kind of started to click for me. Um, and that's when I – that's when I really started to figure out, like, hey, I'm going to have a chance at, at doing this. Did you me. figure it out, or did someone say to you, you know, if you keep doing this, you're going to play on Sundays? Um, I kind of always, in the back of my mind, thought I could, definitely. Um, I think with him coming in, and um, he had just been he had just been with the Bears for, like, six years before he spent one year at Tennessee, University of Tennessee, before he came to Notre Dame, but before that was in the, the NFL, and I don't know. My confidence just kept growing with him. I, I, I started to get, I started to like a lot more what I saw on tape. I started to get bigger, stronger. Um, really, like, was the first time I kind of fell in love with like the offensive line position and how the unit works together and that whole thing. And that's really kind of what he preaches and what he teaches and and really bought into the whole thing. And um, I played one year under him. Would have been my redshirt junior year. Um, thought about coming out in the draft. Um, he talked me out of it, and it was really probably the best. What did he say to convince you to stay in school? He, he told me, hey, I, I've been in the pros. You can go, you know, someone, if you leave now, someone will probably take you fairly high, second, second, third round. I think I got a second round grade. Um, he said they'll, they'll draft you to, you know, you could get in the mix. I think if you stay another year, someone's going to draft you to be, uh, be the guy. And uh, so I came back another year, got bigger, played really well my fifth year. Um, and was able to go there in the first half of the of the first round and, and be a plug-and-play guy right when I got drafted. I want to stay with that offensive line coach mm. thing for a minute. I'll, I'll never forget 
Uh, Mark Stepnoski was yep. the center, of course, on the Cowboys Super Bowl teams in the 90s. And um, he left for a period of time, became a free agent, yep. went and signed with the Houston Oilers yep. just before they moved to Tennessee. Then he came back. Yep. And I remember talking to him when he came back about what, now that he had been a free agent and changed teams twice, what attracts you to, as a free agent, to decide where you're going to go because everyone thinks it's mu- just money. And he said, no, it's not just money because everybody, you know what the market is. You're going right. to make what you're going to make. He said, um, he said I, I look at the uh, offensive line coach and the strength coach. Yeah. Because those are where where you spend the most time, and yep. can you fit in with them? That left a tremendous impression on me. That position coaches, and maybe more for offensive linemen than anywhere else on the team, that really is important in how a lineman feels about himself, the group, and the team. Right. As you've gone through nine years, eight years of your pro career now, has that been reinforced? Do you feel it even more strongly than you did? at the end of your career at Notre Dame? I do. I think, you know, luckily for me, the strength staff here, um, obviously we had Coach Wojcik and then now Harold uh, Nash, come from the same tree, right? So we've I've been lucky. I've had the same strength and conditioning program since I've been in Dallas, and I think that really has helped me. Just talking to different guys around the league, we, we, we lift and we – I think we do things the right way here. We really put time in – to our off-season program, to our weight room, and I think it pays off, uh, you know, in the season. And then offensive line coach, the exact same way. Um, and you've had a few in your eight years. I've had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Who, who was it when you came in? Callahan. Okay. Pa- Pollock. And Callahan was one of the best in the Callahan world. Callahan was great. was excellent. Okay, then, then Pollock. Pollock. Yep. And then um, – um, Paul from Cincinnati was yep. he the Paul next Alexander. one? Paul Alexander and then Colombo. Then Colombo and then now Coach Phil. Coach Phil. Yep. So okay. five, five and eight years. There's not the same guy. They're not. They're not. And um, you know, it's been good for me. I've always had my um, my foundation of kind of what I believe in and blocking, and um, that comes kind of stems from my the college coach that I that I come from, um, and then you know takes take things along the way. Um, from different coaches, obviously. And then that's been the nice thing. You know, I, I've, I really enjoyed all of my offensive line coaches I have. I really have. I'm not just saying that. Um, but that's been the nice thing with Coach Philbin coming in. Um, he comes from the same tree as my college line coach. So a lot of the drills that we're doing now at practice are the exact, literally the exact same drills I did throughout college. And um, it's been kind of nice to refresh and get back into that world and those kind of mindset and, and how you move people um, in the run game and, and different things like that. So it's been it's been good these last couple of years. I've really enjoyed it. This um, this line has undergone a bit of a metamorphosis yep. since you came in. Yep. And and there was the the one year uh, before Doug Free retired, he was the senior guy, yep. right? Yep. And so then it was you and Tyron and Travis. Yep. And um, uh, Lyle came in and Ron Leary was yep. here and um, th- this is a different line it is. now. And and I think it'd be very instructive to hear you talk about how and why and and are you trying to do the same things that you were trying to do back then? Um, 
as far as like technique schematically yeah. technique yeah i, I think because uh, it's not as simple as you know there's a guy block him it's right. not that no, simple no, no not at all and uh i was very fortunate uh, kind of go back to where i got drafted um the pieces kind of fell into place for me a little bit um i got drafted to a team who had just invested a lot into their offensive line um you know a lot into their run game uh i came in we didn't have to throw throw the ball my rookie year 40 50 times we we really ran the ball 40 or 50 times, and, and it was kind of a nice transition for me at least coming into the NFL where I could do a lot of the things that I was good at and maybe learn a little bit more in some of the areas um, that I wasn't quite so good at. So um, I really I do think I was in the right place at the right time um, when I came in as for a young player. Um, but to answer your question about the offensive line, I mean – Obviously, we're different. I think everyone wants to compare us to the 14, 15, 16 line. And, you know, we're a different line, right? Um, we were very good back then. I think we have a chance to be very good with this line, too. Um, but I do think it's different. Um, I think we're doing some different things, um, which I love. And as far as technique-wise, when you really dive into it, some of the stuff we do. Are, um, they, are they difficult or relatively easy to explain? I think it's, I think it's easier to do – the stuff we're doing now than it is the stuff we were doing when I first got here. Not to say, you know, one's much better than the other, um, but in my personal opinion, what we're doing now is is it simplifies things, especially for young players. Um, but I'm excited for this year. I think we've got we've got the capability to be a very good line. I think the most important thing is one we're going to stay healthy. Um, I think that's been one thing we've. I mean, really, when you look back, I don't think we've been healthy the whole year as a unit since probably that 2016 season. Um, so I think uh, number one is stay healthy. And then uh, what I'm most excited about, I think, is this is going to be the first year where there's some serious competition on the on the offensive line. Um, so that competition, in my opinion, breeds, you know, or, you know, brings out the best in people. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these guys uh, fight for those jobs. And I think it'll bring – not only those guys up, but I think it'll bring us around them to a better level. Does it feel to you like running is still as important in the league as it was? In my opinion, it does. Yeah. It does? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you're going to have to throw the ball. That's no surprise. Everyone's got to throw it. Um, when you look around, especially who's won it the last couple of years, I mean, they're throwing the ball, and we know we're going to have to do that. But just in my experience in the NFL, games where you're running the ball, it, it – I mean, it just makes everyone around you better. It makes the defense better. It makes quarterback better. It makes the coach's job easier. Um, so I think that's something we want to get back to is, is really I, um, establishing that identity in the run game and, and being uh, being a unit the team can count on. You know, when I first got here, you know, I think that's kind of the offensive line was looked as a, as a unit that, hey, these these guys are going to go out and do it every week. And I, I want to get back to that. I think the last couple of years um, we've been okay, but I, I think we have the capability of being that unit on the team where it's like, hey, these guys every week are going to come out and give us a shot. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so one of the things, one of the uh, uh, hallmarks that I try to uh, hang the hook of this uh, series of conversations then and now on is not to dwell on hot sports takes. I, I, I tell all of my guests, this is not hot sports takes. You have, however, kind of just cracked the door just a little bit, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my head through it, uh, not come crashing full bore. But why do you – I'm asking about two guys. Yep. Why do you believe that Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele are the kinds of players who can do what you're talking about? I'll start with Terrence. Um, I love Terrence Steele. I, I've, I've been high on him. Um, I just have a ton of respect for him. Uh, that first year, that COVID year, I don't think people understand what he did that year. Um, undrafted guy. No training camp. Basically two weeks of training camp. Um, I think he started 14 games. I think it was. Uh, had his ups and downs, but kind of showed, like, especially in the run game. I, in my opinion, I don't know if there's a better – right tackle in the run game in the NFL than Terrence Steele. And I, you know. It's a big statement. It is a big statement. But I think uh, I think when you turn the tape on last year and we're running the ball, you see Terrence Steele, that's the guy who was – can I curse a little bit? No, no. Yeah. Kicking some ass they'll, on they'll, tape. They'll yeah. take it out if they don't like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, kicking some serious ass in the run game. And um, he's gotten bigger, stronger, faster. So You I, had I, me worried. We said, can I curse? Yeah. That's nothing. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. nothing. Uh so Terrence to me is um, is a big key to our run game, um, just the way he can get off the ball and, and move people and um, really get after it. And then, you know, the competition part is another Tyler Smith and, and um, you know, Connor McGovern. Those guys, Connor McGovern's played played a decent amount of football for us, and then obviously Tyler Smith's a first-round pick. And, um, you know, we didn't have pads on in the, in the spring, but you could kind of see his physicality and the way he, he plays and um, – so it's exciting to see to, to have those two guys kind of duke it out, and I think it'll bring the best out of them. But um, I guess I haven't seen enough Tyler Smith yet to really um, maybe make a statement like I just made for, for Terrence. But I really do uh, – Terrence Steele, um, I'm expecting to have a really big year. Um, you and others have compared Tyler Smith to Ron Leary. Yes, yeah. Because – Just um, kind of the way – just, I mean – even from his like stance, his stance, the way he moves, kind of his um, quiet mentality, um, it's all kind of 
Ron Leary-esque in my opinion, which um, I don't know if ever, which is a huge compliment to him because I hold Ron Leary in very high regard. Um, so he's got that kind of um, that quiet, um, that quiet demeanor, but you know he's like ready to rip your head off at any moment. <laughs> I thought I thought Leary was the um, he the was our unsung hero. He was like our but, enforcer yeah. a little bit, you know. Um, when he was with us, he was, um, again, you know, we had guys, Tyron and Trav and, and myself kind of got some of the headlines, but I think kind of the glue to the whole thing was, was Ron Leary. Okay. Um, you, uh, you let the record show, we can re-rack the tape. You brought the subject up first, not me. Okay. Now we, for the benefit of our audience, when, when Zach was a young player, he and Travis Frederick would come on our cowboy hour show and, yep. and, and, and I, I would just bring up the fact that he was an outstanding offensive tackle at Notre Dame, and might he ever want to slide back in, or could he slide back in? Is that something that could happen? And after three or four years, you know, I I had enough of, uh, all right, can we just drop the tackle stuff? Okay. And I did drop it. You did. Until until you started to play in tackle again. So why are you – because you know if something heaven forfend – happen you could pop out and play either tackle right now why should people why would you like people not to think of you as the swing tackle as they're trying to build this team um i think the biggest reason why i would as far as like a team wise um i whenever you have a guy that goes down in my opinion it's not beneficial to move multiple pieces of an offensive line. So that would be my biggest argument with it. Now, yes, in emergency situations like that in 2020 where I had to kind of kick out for a couple games, yeah, I can do that. But in my opinion, there's a lot of value to find a swing tackle, get those reps, and then when if something does happen, that guy goes in. So you don't have to mix up your whole line because um, in my experience, when you move multiple pieces, it's, um, it's not quite as good as moving one piece. So uh, draft day, yeah. Um, you by now certainly know all the stories about what was allegedly going on. Yeah. You know, in the Cowboys' war room, some people wanted the quarterback from <laughs> from Texas A and M, and other people most decisively did not. Um, what were you hearing, and what did you hear? What were you hearing that night? Who did you think? Where and who did you think was going to take you? Like before the process yep. and then after the fact what did you hear about what really happened so i did come down to dallas for a pre-draft visit but that was really the only contact i had with dallas in the draft process and uh, my visit was pretty normal like i met with coach callahan and coach pollock um, met with coach garrett mr jones and, and kind of did the whole song and dance and then went home and didn't hear anything from him. so dallas was never really in my mind they had just drafted travis Two years prior, they just drafted Tyron. So, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, eh, they're probably – and they were defense, defense, defense kind of that year was their – was what I was hearing. As I recall, there was a linebacker from Notre Dame who got who got hurt, uh, went to the Steelers. Uh, no, he was, uh, was Ohio, that State, that? Ohio State. Oh, but, but, was, but that was that year, right? Ryan Shazier, Shazier got drafted the pick before me. So, in from what I hear, if he had not gotten picked, then Dallas probably would have taken That's him. That's what I heard, too. Pick. So, yeah. um have you reflected on that through the years a little bit? Not really, but it is kind of crazy how that works out. I thought I was going to the Giants. Um, I kind of had a little bit of an in with the Giants, a guy 
Tim McDonald. He's a mm-hmm. he's a Mara. He works there now. He worked at Notre Dame my first four years there. Um, so we were kind of keeping in touch, and they picked at number twelve, and um, that was kind of a spot I thought I was going to go. Now they went, they drafted Odell, which was you know a good pick, great pick for them. And um, but so I kind of had that. All right, if I get past the Giants, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then he texted me. I remember him texting me like a pick or two before they picked and said, hey, we're not going to take you. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. We'll see what happens. And then uh, I was sitting there with my family. I was at home in Indianapolis sitting there with my family. And then I think we got up to, I don't know, we had a bunch of people there. It gets kind of nerve-wracked. Maybe around like the 13th, 14th pick. After the Giants picked, I think I went upstairs to my parents' room with my uh, now wife and my parents and my brothers. And we're kind of just watching it up there, my agent. And then um, my agent represented uh, represented Tony Romo, too. So um, I think it was like pick 14, he got a call, my agent did, and he kind of played it off. I was like, oh, no, it's nothing, whatever. Then my phone rings, um, you know, right after the 15th pick, was after Shazier was pit- taken, whenever my phone rang and um, was picked by Dallas, and it was a shock. And, you know, it was cool. I got to get on the phone with Tony, like, right after he called my agent. We got on the phone and talked to him a little bit, and – um, but no, everyone was very excited to come down to Dallas. Um, wh- what did you What did you hear later about the, all the Manziel hubbub? Yeah, well, I, you know, obviously later I hear about, um, and that was always the thing, right? Because you were watching the draft. I hadn't watched it back. Actually, I watched it back this year for the first time. Really? I think. Yeah. I what did. made you do that? I don't know what made me do that. Honestly, uh, what was I doing? Maybe my wife. It was on TV or something that week of the draft. They were replaying the 2014 okay. draft or something, and, and me and my wife, like, we turned it on. It was, like, on, like, you know, top ten pick or whatever, and she's like, let's watch it, and we watched it. And you forget how much they were going back and forth, showing Manziel, showing back and forth, back and forth, and then uh, they picked me and crowd booze and the whole nine. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I at the time I knew they made the right decision, and I think it's paid off um, ever since. But, um, again – I knew nothing really about Dallas. It was never on my radar. I'd been to Dallas one. The funny thing was, I the first time I'd ever come to Dallas was about two months prior, because Kentucky was playing in the Final Four in in, in Dallas, so I came to the game. Uh, but that was the first time I'd ever been to Dallas, and then two months later, I'm I'm living down here. And and now uh, you're probably a cowboy for life. Uh, I I sure hope so. Yep. Yeah, I don't have any desire to play anywhere else. So. Um, I'd like to end my career. Um, a lot of guys, mostly skill position players that I have talked to through the years who turned out to be great Hall of Fame caliber players, um, will say that when they walked into the stadium for the first time, they look, and maybe it was on a visit, and maybe it was right after the draft, whenever it was, and they looked up at the Ring of Honor. Emmett Smith apparently told Michael Irvin, I'm going to be there one day. And... Uh, so a lot of guys think about the Hall of Fame today. They start thinking about the Hall of Fame right away. They come into the league thinking about the Hall of Fame. When did you ever start thinking about those kinds of things? Do you ever contemplate seeing your name up in the Ring of Honor? Well, I'll say this. When I first came to the league, it wasn't, didn't even cross my mind. I was just happy to get – I was a first-round pick. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This is awesome. I walk into a locker room. You know, we had a very veteran team when I got here, which made it v- very fun for me because – Walking into the locker room, you got Romo, you got Witten, um, you know, DeMarco, all these guys that I had watched, you know, on Sundays on my couch, you know, 
after a few after a win at Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, you know, I be watching these guys, and now all of a sudden I'm sharing a locker room with me. But that that really didn't like I didn't come in my rookie year being like, oh, I'm going to be an All Pro or a Pro Bowl. I was like, I want to just come in and I want to I want to live up to the pick, right? They picked me in the first round. I want to be a guy they can count on. I, I, you know, so then I had some success in my rookie year. I never thought that I would be an All Pro or Pro Bowler in my in my rookie season, and then. You know, I think as it's gone on, um, I'm not going to lie, it's definitely a goal of mine. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. I want to be in the Ring of Honor, the whole nine. But that probably came later, I think, after – I don't know how many years in, but, you know, let's say after four or five years when I was having success, I was like, you know, if I keep this thing going, I got a shot to do something special. And um, So that's definitely a goal of mine. Um, this just jumped into my mind, but it – but it goes along with the, the, how hard you guys work, and especially offensive linemen, you have just so much to do off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no need to get into the player, the, the quarterback who just signed a new contract that includes a clause that mandates that he do four hours of independent study a week. And that's an astonishing contract clause to a lot of people. Uh, how does that resonate with you? And not the, not him, not the team, just the whole notion of that. you got to put a clause in the contract to tell you to do your homework. I'm trying to think how to say this. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, to say the least, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I'll kind of tie it in myself, right? When I came here, um, again, we had a veteran team and guys that I could learn from and um, learn how to prepare for games and, and week to week and certain guys and um, – I don't know. In my opinion, if you're going to go into a game, I don't know how you're not watching film because these guys are really, really good across the ball. And uh, so it is interesting. But um, I can just speak on myself, and I think that's something that I learned early on, right? So we didn't have the – I think we had had iPads when I first got in, but we didn't have the cloud, right? So you had to physically go take your iPad to the video guy, get the film plugged in, the whole nine. So – it was, it's easier now to watch film. So that's why it's kind of interesting. But yeah, like everything, like we'll practice 30 minutes later, I'll go on my iPad, the entire practice is on the tape and you can watch it. So, um, but I do think that's something back to college with, with my coach, Coach Heastan, I think that's something that he brought to me is how to prepare for a week, what to look for, how to break down film, um, how to break down a, a specific player, right? And I, that's why I think people get, especially in the offensive line play, you get over when you're watching film, you kind of get, there's two ways to look at it. I think some people are like, all right, how do I block this specific guy? Where in my, my belief in the offensive line, it's, I'm going to do the same thing. Now, certain players, you know, you're running against 99 versus the Rams. You got to, you got to tweak some things. Right. But I think the, to have the most success, if you stick to – if you've got your fundamentals and your beliefs on how to block someone and you rep that like we do here, that's going to take care of about 95% of, of what we do. You do it your way. And and that and now, again, certain guys, you got to make tweaks and, and things like that. But um, I think if you have a belief in what you're doing and you you rep it over and over and over again, it's it's – it just kind of takes care of itself. You know? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to talk about uh, Travis Frederick, who, yep. who who you are older than, older. but came in behind yep. him. Um, it's It was pretty clear 
pretty early that he was a different cat. Yes. Um, can you quantify how much he helped get your career going smoothly? Yes. I well, And for people only hearing the audio, I wish you could see the grin on his yeah. face just at the mention well, it's of so Travis. Funny. I remember um, I texted him, um, and this is nothing against anyone who's played center since he's been gone, but I remember the first year he didn't play. Uh, he was gone. He retired. And I remember texting him, and uh, I just said, you you were taken for granted so much here, and I just want you to know that. Uh, because he really did. I mean, again, back to how I was kind of fortunate and fell into place. When you play around elite players, it not only makes you rise the level of your play, but also, you know, you get covered a little bit sometimes, right? So um, – I was very fortunate to play with a guy like that. I think um, it's tough sometimes for me because I kind of, um, when I think of a center, I think of Travis Frederick. So I think unfairly sometimes I I think certain ways for different guys. But um, I was very fortunate, very lucky to play with a guy, uh, not only what he could do physically, but also what he could do mentally on the field and, and adjustments and, and things like that. So um we got another Badger, Tyler Biotic, and he's done an, an excellent job. And he's keep he's learning. And he's getting better and better. And um, I, I'm expecting him to have a big year too, kind of taking that next step and have a big year. But to answer your question, yes, Travis was probably the most underappreciated player person in our building for well, he played seven years, probably seven years. He uh, was also uh, the the leader. There, there was the older group that they kind of flushed out to make room yep. for all you guys. They led by Colombo, which I thought was funny <laughs> and ironic. Uh, they they wore as a badge of honor, not talking to any reporter. <laughs> they didn't see it as a bridge to the public yeah. or being able to state right. with it. So uh, Travis, as a rookie, stepped right out. And he took on all interviews, and I told him many times, you're the best I've ever seen at saying absolutely nothing, nothing yep. beautifully yeah. for like two minutes, and everyone's happy. Yep. Um, and you're that guy now. I try to be. Um, he taught In, me a few things. Intentionally. you're try, that, That's kind of where I'm going. Yeah. No, I think I definitely, um, as an older guy, I mean, anytime, I mean, I don't mind talking to the media, and if takes it off everyone else's plate i'm fine with that and uh you know that's what trav was able to do for for all of us was kind of not it's not a burden by any means but take on that and um kind of take the brunt of that and he did it like you said very well without saying too much so um yeah i try to try to i'm not sure if i'm on that level with the media but i'm I'm trying but it's a it is the reason i bring it up as we're starting to get close to winding this up, um, it's a it's a symbol, an example of leadership, which he embraced. Yeah. And you have embraced it. Yep. And you began to embrace it while he was still here. Yeah. And you lockered next to Witten, and then you got Witten's locker. And um, so, tell me about leadership. Yeah, for me, leadership starts with um, with uh, with doing it first before you can before you can be this vocal um leader and you have to show that you can you can consistently do it day in and day out that that really my whole career is summed up in my opinion is like consistency is king right some guys are flashy some guys do this and that but if you can be the exact same guy every single day that to me because i'm not like i wouldn't say i'm like blessed with the like to stand up in front of a room and give this big hoorah speech right like Dak, for example, as good as I've been around talking in front of a team and 
and he and he that's what he does right i try i i do it when i have to um but for me leadership i try to be try to show that consistency on a, a day in and day out basis and i think that that as much as anything is uh that's kind of how i see leadership in my mind um if i'm still alive i would like to be invited to your hall of fame uh, <laughs> induction ceremony well, we'll see if we get there. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll get there. Here's uh, here's one of the all-time best ever to play. Zach Martin, thank you for the time. Thank you, Mr. Appreciate Sam. it very Appreciate much. It. Will, we, will we work together long enough for you to call me Brad ever? I, I just feel like it's a respect thing, Mr. Sham, you know? Thank you, Mr. Martin. <laughs> then and now, I'm Brad Sham. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.